All right, let us begin, and let us begin with prayer. Oh, gracious God, I suppose for a myriad of reasons, this is a hard morning. So be with us, uh, enliven our spirits, uh, quicken our bodies, bring to life our, our minds, that in our thinking and in our feeling and in our doing, we may bring you honor and glory and represent Christ to, to one another and to the world. Uh, this we pray in, in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. This is where it starts to get kind of wobbly, huh? Is that better? Okay. Um, a confession of sorts. Um... I don't think I'm very well prepared for today. Um, (laughs) There's a Christmas zinger for me. (laughs) But there is an element and a need always for confession. Um, And indeed, John the Baptist today will... You know, he's the, it's the viper thing today and, and the repentance. But I also, because even as I look at the, the, what we're going to be looking at today, um, my plan was I had a, a lunch appointment Friday afternoon and then I uh, was going to come back to the church and, and work on this for a while in the quiet because Friday afternoons are real quiet around here. Well, what I was going to do is pick up Allie on the way from school, drop her off at home, and then come back. Well, I never left home because it was on my way to pick up Allie that I heard the news about Newtown. And my whole ride home, I'm just, you know, I'm listening to NPR and it's just doing this. And, and so I never got my time um, Friday to go over that. And yet as I watch, you know, when I think about the, the, the clip we're going to watch today, there's something almost prophetic about it, it seems to me. Um, and and, and we'll, we'll get to that. I do want to consider um, this passage of Scripture first. Um, this is from Romans 8, and I'll read it. Um, it's, it's actually a two-pager, so um, we'll start with, with this. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for that which is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. What, what do we hear in this? Take a couple stabs at it. What do we hear in this? It's a very Adventish scripture passage, or Adventesque. The world, basically what Paul is saying is that the world is fallen and we feel it. Okay? The world is fallen and we feel it. We, we know it. Um, we suffer under this fallenness. It affects not only children of God, but creation itself. And creation fell, creation's fall was not creation's responsibility. In other words, creation suffered because of what we did, not because of what creation itself did. In other words, the world, um, according to Paul here, is not 
did not do something to fall, but it fell um, because humankind fell. So, to understand that Paul is saying here it, it revolves around this notion that yes, the world has fallen and we know it, we feel it. Even those who are um, of the body, uh, of redemption, we know we're of it, but even knowing it, we have a hope beyond the redemption that we know now. You know, now we see in part, as in the mirror dimly. But he's saying somewhere within us we have this hope for something even grander. This second coming which we talk about, the fulfillment of God's plan um, where our adoption is made complete. Um, And with that comes this relief. And in fact, I remember when, when we... Most of you know that you know Zach is adopted. We brought him home. He was born the Saturday before Mother's Day. We brought him home on Mother's Day, um, but it was 60 days later that the adoption was complete. And you, if, if any of you have under, if any of you ever experienced it, to to know what it is to to be in the courthouse and and to watch the judge sign the paper. And then he stamped it. I mean, it was so, it was so stereotypical. He signs it, and they pump, pump. And with that last pump, the adoption was complete. It could not be reversed. And I just remember that sense of, this cannot, this cannot now be taken away. This is, this is complete. This is whole. This is finished. Um, what else do you folks see in this? Awfully quiet today. I know because I said I'm not well prepared today. You're just going to sit here and watch me struggle, aren't you? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, we read at home today a passage suggesting that uh, we should never wrestle with God or we'll end up like Jacob. We should wrestle with the events within our own lives that keep us from the presence of Right, and that is that is a very helpful passage to me, along with this one, in terms of how could God let this happen? That's not the question to ask. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that's a very keen insight because I think people of faith, um, we we have a, a great way of maneuvering around being real. And that is this. It is easy to debate theological stuff. How many angels can fit on the head of a pin? Um, what is Trinity? I mean, we, but to come before the Lord with your own true issues as opposed to theological conundrums is a whole nother matter. Um, to, to come bare before the Lord and say, this is my plea, this is my sorrow, this is my joy, um, is much more difficult, I think, maybe not the joy part, but uh, much more difficult, I think, than, than you know, playing the game of, of theological one-upsmanship. All right, anything else on this? Yes, hang on. Right. Yes, you will be changed. I don't know if you, if you caught that, but the idea is, in fact, we also, on the other end of things, we do have permission to wrestle with God because that is the kind of God we have. I think what, what Jack's referring to, though, is what kind of wrestling are we going to have? Are we going to have the how many, how many angels can you fit on the head of a pin? Is it going to be, you know, mindless... Yeah, is it philosophical wrestling or is it heartfelt?
truly issues that we, we suffer from. No doubt the people in um, Newtown are really struggling intimately with that, with those questions, why did God do this? Did God do this? Why did God do this? Why us, et cetera, et cetera. Um, no longer a philosophical um, debate for them or, or question. It, it, it's a true issue of faith for, I imagine, many of them. Okay. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words, and God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That is a statement of faith seems to me. Paul's just realizing here, I think, that even in prayer, we, um, we fall short. And the only way we can really connect or, or perhaps the best way to connect with God is via the Spirit. The Spirit is going to take our groanings and, and translate them um, and intercede for us. This whole notion, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. Let's keep that in the back of our minds as we, as we watch the clip today. The clip, oh, any, any thoughts on that before we move on? All right. I'm actually going to use this because I should have earlier and I didn't. There you go. I think... That can be a passage that is so familiar to us that we, we don't get out of it what we're supposed to be getting out of it. You know. Explain that a little bit. You knew I was going to say that, didn't oh. you? <laughs> um, you know, it's just like... Um, I think it, you may need to think about that. Well, it can be Pollyannish. You know, it seems to me, you know, oh, it's all going to work out in the end. Don't, don't grieve. Don't, don't sorrow. It, it's all going to work out in the end. Jesus just needed a few more angels. Yeah. Oh, hang on. I'm going to pass it over with you. You know, if, if I was a scholar of the Bible in terms of what the word good how that was translated, what it would have meant when it says all things work together for good. Uh, that's kind of a, uh, that word, I'm not quite sure what that means, and it'd be interesting to know in Greek or uh, what that means for those who love God, good. Uh, I'm, I'm willing, I would bet that it has, it has roots in righteousness, in, in the word righteousness. One way or another, words. In other words, the the word referring to to God's good or God's understanding of what is good, um, God's perfection. I'd put money on it, but I don't know for sure. Part, yeah. Nope. nope. My question uh, is simply: when he's saying up there, the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Who are the saints? The people who are already past, or the or is that a name that was given to anyone who was a Christian at that time? Who knows the answer? It's all of us. It's all of us. Living, dead. Um, some would even say the ones yet to come still have prayer. Okay. Let's, um, did you have a... I'm going to comment on this thing about goodness. We, we, we must, I think, take it to be God's goodness. Uh, in our yeah, that's sen- a given. If our, in our sense of economy, human goodness and God's goodness don't always intersect. <laughs> and, and sometimes, they never perfectly intersect. And when they do intersect, it's a pure accident that we've somehow stumbled into God's goodness some way. Um, Three or four hundred, more than four hundred years ago, the, the Westminster divines 
defined God, and this is in the catechism, you guys could learn this if you wanted to. <coughs> what Maybe is, we should uh, ask Jim to teach us. The question is, what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. The word love is absent in that description, that, that those people that wrote that, the 52 people that wrote the Westminster Confession of Faith, which we are signatories to, That's right. uh, use the word goodness rather than, than any mention of, of love. So it's clearly got to be God's goodness that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So how do you say that there's anything good that happened in Newtown, Connecticut on Friday? <clears throat> because surely there were people who filled the first part of that verse. There were people in that tragedy that loved God. And yet, by any human definition, nothing good happened there. Yeah. Now, what are, what are you left with? I've always been left when we have these human tragedies that happen, these, these such brutal things that happen, whether it be war or something like Newtown Mass, you, you have to be finally left with God makes no mistakes. So in his economy, in his mm -hmm. sense of goodness, something was accomplished. And we don't have the first clue really what it is. And, and will be accomplished. It's not over. It, it becomes the next unfolding reality in which we live. Okay. Yeah. But what? Oh, hang on. Let me get you the microphone. I because sorry, we, I stole oh, it. Oh, you and then you. <laughs> what about all those opportunities to show goodness that happened out of that? There were many more opportunities for goodness in that terrible time. Was that part of God's plan? Are we talking about God planning this, or are we talking about I'm, evil taking over? I'm not over going near that one. And responding to yeah. evil in the world. Can we respond good? Is, I think is Jim's point, to a degree anyway. Can, do we even have the capacity to respond good? Or and if we're going to use the, the religious word or the theological word, righteously. Yeah. It is hard for me to think that that could have been God's will. But I do understand that we humans are different than the rest of the world. Yeah. We were given the freedom of choice. Instinct didn't have that provision. Mm -hmm. And I think in that privilege that God gave us comes this horrible, horrible tragedy. Yeah. There is, you know, again, in, in God's economy as, as, as we speak, there is the dynamic that we have, uh, we do have choice. We're better put, we make decisions. Um, we do respond, and, and I think most of us would like to think we can respond in gooder ways or worser ways. We'd prefer to, to respond in gooder ways, um, even though theologically and, and in truth, we are a fallen and corrupt people. We, we cannot respond in God's perfect way. We can only respond in, in the way that God leads us through the Spirit, which brings us back perhaps to, to, the path, or to, the, to that part of which the understanding that, you know, God speaks to us, through us, and for us through the Spirit. Then the question becomes, what role do I have in this at all, if any? You know, is it God working in and through me? Lots of stuff. Okay, what's happening here? Um, $8,000 has come up missing. And um, the bank adjuster's there, and he wants to know where the money is. There's a order, court order for his arrest out because the money got lost. It was actually kind of stolen, if you think about it. If you remember the movie... Uh, Mr. Potter gets his grubby hands on it, totally my mistake, and does not return it. Obviously, he kind of puts it in his own safe. Um, thus, the, the home and uh, or the building and loan uh, is not going to audit very well. 
and it's all coming down to um, Mr. Stewart here, to George. And he sees no way out of this. He figures he's off to prison. Uh, he's let everybody down. There's no way out of it. And so he is on his way to the bridge. He is going to jump off the bridge. He's going to take his own life. Um, in the words of um, Clarence, his, his angel, who we'll meet here, uh, he's going to, um, to take away the greatest gift God gives, and that being obviously the gift of life. Uh, we will meet Clarence. Clarence is that angel, which you might remember at the very beginning. Uh, he's trying to earn his wings. Um, he's 230-some years old. I, I'm trying to remember, so you'll get some of the clues. And if, if, Has everybody here seen it? Anybody here who has not seen It's a Wonderful Life? So I don't really need to. You still haven't watched it? Shame. Shame, shame. You've had three weeks now. This is not good. I and he groans. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, then what else do we need to tell him? Yeah. Target has a shelf. Cheap. The library has copies that are free for crying out loud. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is going on here. I think I think we'll all pick it up, and we can always come back and re-explain it. <laughs> What? There is no damaged area. <laughs> How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. No, no. Uh -uh. Haven't you learned that song? You love so much and ask them to let you have it. Remember that? Bailey? Which Bailey? This Mr. George Bailey. Oh, yeah, we saw that, too. That I hurt. Got a bust in the jaw and answer to him. We'll see if it'll hey, play what's through. With you? Look where you're going. I didn't have time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out, too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. 
Yeah, that's against the law where I come from, too. Oh, where do you come from? Heaven. I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody? AS2, what, what, what's that, AS2? Angel, second class. Cheerio, my good man. you say just a minute ago? Why'd you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, now, th just things like that. How do you know that? I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of an angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't worn my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. Uh, I don't know whether I like it very much being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? Sure, sure. How? By letting me help you. Only one way you can help me. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you. Oh, you? no, no. We don't use money in heaven. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I keep forgetting it. <laughs> Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, tut, tut, tut. I found it out a little late. I'm worth more dead than alive. Now, look, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. If it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be a lot better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. I mean, look, little fella, why you go off and haunt somebody else, No, you? now you don't understand. I've got my job. Oh, shut up, will you? Oh, this isn't going to be so easy. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. You don't have to make all that fuss about it. What'd you say? You've never been born. You don't exist. You haven't a care in the world. No worries, no obligations, no $8,000 to get, no potter looking for you with a sheriff. Say something else in that ear. Sure, you can hear out of it. What's well, a doggone thing? I haven't heard anything out of that ear since I was a kid. Must be that jump in that cold water. Your lips stop bleeding too, George. What do you know about that? What's happening? Stop snowing out here, don't I? Well, I, uh, what's happening here? What I need is a couple of good stiff drinks. How about you, Angel? You want a drink? <laughs> I, uh, Come on, as soon as these clothes of ours are dry. The clothes are dry. I wouldn't know about that. It's still hotter than I thought. Come on, get your clothes on. We'll stroll up to my car and get. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'll stroll. You fly. I can't fly. I haven't got my wings. You haven't got your wings. Yeah, that's right.
What's the matter? Well, this is where I left my car, and it isn't here. You have no car? Well, I had a car, and it was right here. I guess nobody moved it. Good evening. Oh, say, hey, uh, well, where's my car? I beg your pardon? My car, my car. I'm the fellow that owns the car that ran into your tree. What tree? What do you mean, what tree? This tree. Here, I ran into it. Cut a big gash in the side of it there. You must mean two other trees. You had me worried. One of the oldest trees in Pottersville. Pottersville? Well, you mean Bedford Falls. I mean Pottersville. Don't think I know where I live? What's the matter with you? I don't know. Either I'm off my nut or he is. Or you are. It isn't me. Maybe I left the car up at Martini's. Well, come on, Gabriel. Clarence! Clarence, Clarence. That's all right. Go on in. Martini's a friend of mine. There's a place to sit down. Sit down. Oh, hello, Nick. Hey, where's the Martini? What a Martini? Oh, no, Martini, your boss. Where is he? Hey, look, I'm the boss. You want a drink or don't you? Okay, all right. Double bourbon, will you? Quick, huh? Okay. What's yours? I was just thinking. I... It's been so long since I... <laughs> look, mister, I'm standing here waiting for you to make up your mind. That's a good man. I was just thinking uh, of a flaming rum punch. No, it's not cold enough for that. Not nearly cold enough. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Just got I got it. Mulled wine, heavy on the cinnamon and light on the clothes. Oh, give me light and be lively. Hey, look, mister. We save hard drinks in here for men who want to get drunk fast, and we don't need any characters around to give the joint atmosphere. Is that clear? Or do I have to slip you my lift for a convincer? What's he talking about? Oh, neck, neck, just give him the same as mine. He's okay. Okay. What's the matter with him? Never saw a neck act like that before. You'll see a lot of strange things from now on. Oh, yeah. Hey, little fella. You worry me, you know? You you, you got some place to sleep? No. You don't? Huh? Well, you, you got any money? No. No wonder you jumped in the river. I jumped in the river to save you so I could get my wings. Uh-oh. Uh Somebody's just made it. Made what? Every time you hear a bell rings, it means that some angel's just got his wings. Look, uh, I think maybe you better not mention getting your wings around here. But Why? Don't they believe in angels? I... Uh, yeah, I believe. Oh, why should they be surprised when they see one? Uh, he never grew up. He's... Uh, how old are you, anyway, Clarence? 293. Uh... Next May. That does it. Out, you two pixies go through the door or out the window. Look, Nick, what's wrong? No, that's another thing. Where do you come off calling me Nick? Well, Nick, that's your name. What's that got to do with it? I don't know you from Adam's off ox. Hey, hey, you roomy there. Come in, come in. Didn't I tell you never to come panhandling around here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower. 
Mr. Gower, this is George Bailey. Don't you know me? Oh. No. Trauma, trauma. Mr. Gower! Hey, what is it? Hey, Nick, Nick, isn't that Mr. Gower the druggist? You know, that's another reason for me not to like you. That rumhead spent 20 years in jail for poisoning a kid. If you know him, you must be a jailbird yourself. Uh, would you show these gentlemen to the door? Sure. This way, gentlemen. <laughs> Get me. I'm giving out wings. <laughs> you see, George, you were not there to stop Gower from putting that poison into the capsule. What do you mean I wasn't there? Remember the stick? Hey, what's going on around here? What? What? Well, this ought to be Martini's place. Look, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know. You told me that. What else are you? What are you? You a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Well, if I wasn't born, who am I? You're nobody. You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers, no cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. They're not there either. What? Zuzu's petals. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. Now, wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. Now, this is some sort of a funny dream I'm having. So long, Mr. I'm going home. Home? What home? Now, shut up. Cut it out. You, you, you're, you, you're crazy, that's what I think. You're, you're screwy. You're driving me crazy, too. I'm seeing things here. I'm going home and see my wife and family. You understand that? And I'm going home alone. How am I doing, Joseph? Thanks. So I didn't have a drink. some bad liquor or something. Now, listen to me. Now, you're Ernie Bishop, and you live in Bailey Park with your wife and kid. That's right, isn't it? You seen my wife? Seen your wife? I've been to your house a hundred times. Look, bud, what's the idea? I live in a shack in Potter's Field. My wife ran away three years ago and took the kid, and I ain't never seen you before in my life, see? Okay, well, just step on it. Just get me home.
Is this the place? Of course it's the place. Well, this house ain't been lived in for 20 years. What's up, Bernie? I don't know, but we better keep our eye on this guy. He's bats. Watch him, Bert. Oh, Bert, come on, come Ernie, on, come on. what's the matter with you two guys? Hey, you, you, you were here on my wedding night. You both of you stood out there on the porch and sung to us. Don't you remember? I think I better be going. Look, now, why don't you be a good kid and we'll take you into a doctor. Everything's going to be all right now. Bert, now listen to it. Ernie, will you take me over to my mother's house? Sure, Bert, listen, it's that fellow there. He says he's an angel. Yeah. He's trying to hypnotize I hate me. to do this Bert, to you, bud, but... Ryan George! Ryan George! Ow! Ow! Joseph! Help! Oh, shut up! Help! Oh, Joseph! Joseph! Where'd he go? Where'd he go? I, I had him right here. I need a drink. Well, which way did he go? Help me find him. George, I, I thought sure you'd remember me. George who? If you're looking for a room, there's no vacancy. Oh, listen, please help me. Something terrible's happened to me. I, I, I don't know what it is. Something's happened to everybody. Please let me come in and, and, and keep me here until I get over it. Get over what? I don't take in strangers unless they're sent here by somebody I know. What? Well, I know everybody you know. What? You, your brother-in-law, Uncle Billy. You know him? Well, sure I do. When did you see him last? Today, over at his house. It's a lie. He's been in the insane asylum ever since he lost his business. And if you ask me, that's where you belong. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I've heard of things like this. You've got me in some kind of a spell or something. Well, I'm going to get out of it. I'll get out of it. But I know how, too. I... Now, the last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Well, sure I know where he lives. He lives in Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You are here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Oh, well, I, I, I can't. Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if you not... know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? She's, Where is she? She's just about to close up the library. Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings.
Mary. Mary. George, don't you know me? What's happened to us? I don't know. You let me go. Mary, please. Oh, don't do this to me. Please, Mary. Help me. Where's our kids? I need you, Mary. Help me. There we go. Do our lives make a difference? Um, does the life of the church make a difference? How do you see the difference? How do you know you make a difference? Um, what would it be without you? pops into your minds. What a difference was made by those teachers who kept their commitment to saving those children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where, what had they not been there? Another, whole another thing. What if the first responders hadn't been there at 9-11? I mean, we're, we're picking the big ones here. Um, yeah. Here, here's a little story from uh, J Jimmy Stewart's real life uh, that might demonstrate a difference that was made. I came across this story in some little booklet, guidepost magazine, or somewhere. Jimmy Stewart grew up in Indiana, Pennsylvania. He was a Presbyterian, grew up in a Presbyterian family in a, a Presbyterian church. And could have he, told that by the haircut, though. Well, whatever. Okay. He uh, found his way in California and began a career as, a, as an actor, much like a lot of people did. And he was living a life in Hollywood uh, apart from the church at that time. His father got a hold of, of a Presbyterian church in, in California and talked to the pastor and said, say, my son is out there starting his acting career, and I wish you would make a contact with him and get him into your church because that's where he needs to be. And that pastor, through his good offices and with some of the elders of the church, made a contact with the young Jimmy Stewart, and Jimmy Stewart ended up joining that church and being active in that church the rest of his life. So what would Jimmy Stewart's life have been like without a loving father? And a phone call. And a phone call. Yeah. And a pastor. Yeah. We're all rather quiet. Even though you have not seen the movie, we're going to let you talk. I love grace. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just can't help but uh, I heard a sermon this morning by a certain guy that <laughs> was talking about Christmas and, and, and he contrasted a play on words, presents like the gift in plural 
versus presence like the being, the relationship. And, and I wanted to respond to Jim earlier because I can't quote like he did the um, article that he quoted. Westminster Confession. The Westminster Confession, but he pointed out that the word God being love was not in there. And I can't help but think that the story he just told about the relationship between a father and minister, a man and his work, uh, the contrast between presence and presence, uh, all of these point to relationship. And the reason that we're, if I could have been there, if I had had an angel, the reason the word God and love weren't equated was, I think love is the outflowing, the overwhelming response to all of these things. Love is the response we have to God. And when we say God is love, I, I sometimes think we get confused. I think it's our response is love. And, and, the, and the, re the response that you're going to see to these children being murdered, murdered brutally, um, is not about God's doing. It's, it's about the presence of God and, and how we respond. And that's the, that's the presence that I think was in your sermon today and that we're seeing. How would our life be? The, the word, the, the movie said that every man affects another man. I, to that, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It wasn't exactly yeah. the way it was said, but he, he said every man affects a man. That's the presence and the relationships, and that's really what, what the love is. The love is the outpouring response that you get to these relationships. Well, sometimes when we use a word, the connotations carry much more or less than like the word love. Everybody brings something. But when you describe it like the Westminster Confession does, that is, those are the dimensions of love. So, it, so what you're saying, therefore, are, are all those words that were used basically are those words that would, we would use to describe or define love. God's definition of God's love. God's definition of love, okay. But love is not a present, the presence. And it's a response. Okay. It's not something we can They're really, they're wiping you out over here. <laughs> Just in defense of the Westminster Confession of Faith, <laughs> I, th I think the second question is, how do we know God loves us? And the answer is a, a complete quotation of John 3.16 and nothing more. Or nothing less. Or nothing less. Yeah. So love does get some play in the love confession. Love gets play there. Love gets play. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of the problem with the, whole, with, with the word love itself is, um, you know, how do you, how do you, who cares to define it? Yeah, you, you can never really define love. You can, you can perhaps give examples of love, but you really can't define it. I can't define love, but I find these tragedies, countrywide and worldwide, are too much for me to absorb, to deal with. But what I can do is to pray for these people. Mm -hmm. If that happened here, the first people there would be people in this room, the churches in Canton, Ohio, are wonderful counselors, um, and I can pray for those who are doing the counseling and, and doing, doing the work, being chaplains, doing the work. Who are being Christ there on our, beha on our behalf. There. Yeah. They're catching up. Well, we have to hear from the left. Sit. <laughs> <laughs> Your question was in terms of, or I think, being reflective, uh -huh. trying to look back on one's life. What would it be like if you weren't here? things that you've done and you know hopefully we are known we are Christians by the way we live and the way we act 
And as I reflected, you know, I also unfortunately have to reflect on the missed opportunities. Mm -hmm. and, and that somewhat brings me to my knees uh, that there's been so many opportunities missed. Yeah. Uh, and that, that really saddens me as a part of this story too. Uh, this focuses on all the positives, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's sad. The, you know, the Anglican prayer um, phrase, you know, Lord, forgive me my sins of commission and omission. The, the things I have done and the things I've left undone, the things that I didn't do that I knew I should have done or could have done but didn't do. Yeah. Did you want the... When we say it would make a difference, what about the gentleman who did the harm? Uh, we also have the capacity for evil as well as the capacity for good. Yeah. The, some, after the sermon this morning, you know, as people are, are going out, somebody grabbed me. I'm forgetting who it was. I hope it was somebody who was here. So, um, it reminded me that the, the young man who, who did this um, has no record of ever hurting anybody at any time his entire life long. Um, you know, no, no jail record, no criminal record, no, no stories that people tell about him when he pulled the wings off the butterflies or, or anything like that. I mean, it, it, but something snapped. Something went bonkers. And, you know, I, we, can, we can also choose to define that in a lot of ways, too. Are we talking, um, you know, a psychic break? Are we talking mental illness? Are we talking demons? Are we talking Satan? What, you know, all those questions now come into play for us. This, this is such a, an evil thing, it, 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 it becomes hard for us to say, well, at least in my mind, it, it, who could do such a thing? Well, there... To me, it's almost something above and beyond any one person. And yet I also know better. I also know how far I've fallen. And yet I also know that, you know, if you bring that young boy back today, bring him back to his right mind, um, you know, how would he be reacting to this? Killing his mother? Yeah, something, you'd, probably, you'd have more insight on this than I. Well, and also we may have a tangled web here. We have to ask the question that Jesus asked in the, with the blind man, who sinned, this man or his parents? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in our day and age, would we not also broaden that, this man, his parents, his community, his culture, his country, his world, I mean, that... You look like, were you going to? I don't know. <laughs> um, Teachers are taking this in a particularly tough way. Yeah. And I was fortunate this week to have lunch with a mother of a son who has struggled all his life. And one of my second graders. With mental With all kinds of struggles like this. But he is the stereotypical when you talk, when you hear, you know, he's 21. He's been bullied all his life. He has lots of problems. And I think, what are we doing? And when I left Thursday afternoon talking to this lady, I thought, okay, I'm calling Stark State, and I'm finding out what kind of program do they have for this kid. You know, I'm, w what can we do here in Stark County that can touch those children? Because the schools do it, and, and the parents try their best, but you get into that age of 18, 19, 20, and... And what can we do more, you know? I don't know. I don't know. But I know my prayers are with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Other thoughts? Oh. This is kind of not about this story, but it's about our story here in Canton, Ohio. We need to make it much tougher for people to get a hold of guns. Okay. I've been thinking about that one. <laughs> um, 
and obviously a hot topic for in the in the world of politics. And I've finally come to, and I will tell you very honestly, this came to me in the shower last night. Um, because I, this is an issue I'm very conflicted about. Um, as one who, who really likes to honor personal freedoms, um, and yet also sees that, that place of divide between responsibility and freedom. And assuming that the world does not stay the same, cultures change, people change, communities change, um, where, where do we find this, this balance between my freedom as, as a citizen of the United States of America versus my responsibilities as a citizen of the United States, as a member of a community? Um, where, where are the boundaries there? Where is it my right versus my responsibility? Anyway, in the shower, what hit me in the shower was this. Um, it seems to me that arming everybody's not going to be the answer. Frankly, I think that'll just create more of this. But I'm not so sure gun control's going to help either because this has happened from the beginning of time and it's going to happen till the end of time. So the point I'm making there was simply that it really left me in this place of, ugh, there... There is no, for me, in terms of the gun thing, I really feel like I'm left in this powerless place. Um, anyway. You couldn't resist. Do you know what a shillelagh's for? Pardon? Do you know what a shillelagh is? Yeah, it's a little instrument. In, uh, no. Do, 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 do. That's a ukulele. Oh, a ukulele. Okay, no, I've, I have, I've never heard the word before. Yes, it is. It's a club. You know why it came about? No. Because the British ordered the, uh, there will be no weapons in Ireland to keep them from rebelling against Britain. So what do they do? They cut down oak trees. You know how strong an oak tree is? Oak is hardwood. Do you have any idea how many <laughs> British soldiers or whatever got killed with shillelaghs? Yeah. Goes on. We have to end because I have to go. Why not? Now, this is going to be about guns. <laughs> this is a battle we don't win. So, A few years ago, Australia took all the guns away from the private uh, individuals, mm -hmm. destroyed them. Uh, today, there is 20 times more crime in Australia, and they are talking about giving people guns giving back. Giving them back? Yeah. Yeah, no answer. No answer one way or other. Last comment, and then, well, could you hand this... I'd just like to ask you, where were you back in the 70s when we began to see trash that kids could pick up? Where were we when we began to see this trash in games that promote mm -hmm. this kind of thinking? Where were we as a nation? Can we bring that trash under control? The horrible violence mm -hmm. in movies, in videos. I remember being laughed at in the 70s when I said, that needs to go out of that store. Mm -hmm. Other people wouldn't take those stands. And I really believe we have a responsibility for a lot of what is occurring today because mm -hmm. we allowed our nation to become the degenerate nation it is. Okay. Last comment. Um, let's pray and go to worship because we need to go. Gracious God, thank you for thoughtful discussion um, in a difficult day. Surely our hearts are heavy and our minds are confused and answers come from so many different directions. Allow us as we, we move away from the church for the day to continue to reflect Christ's love to others, allows those of us who, who stay to enter into a time of uh, heartfelt worship where we may sense you present uh, amongst us. We do lift into your care those who grieve this day um, everywhere in the world uh, and pray for 
a new day in which all things do work for good, for righteousness, according to the ways of the Lord. Bless us as we part in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Next week should be a little bit more of an upper.